Yeah, well, welcome to Infuse Church. Uh, if we haven't met yet, uh, my name is Taylor. I'm one of the pastors here, um, one of our team members who communicate on Sundays. Uh, and we are kicking off a new series today for the next three weeks called Trailblazers. And so we're going to be talking about paths, and we're going to be talking about getting lost, and we're going to talk about what it means to kind of be on the right path. Um, but to kick off this really cool, graphically designed uh, Trailblazers series, um, I am going to start with a little story of an experience that I thought I was being a trailblazer. Um, like out there, you know, doing what you're supposed to be doing. Uh, and it took me a while to realize uh, that I might not have been so correct. Um, and this happened, uh, oh, I don't even know, it was a while ago. Um, it was right out of college context. Um, and I had uh, gotten a full-time job and I accepted a full-time job out in Seattle with uh, the Boeing company building airplanes. And um, in, as context, too, I was agnostic at this time, so faith was in. I was agnostic to religion in general and faith and Christianity. Um, and so to me, I at that time was making a very successful decision um, because I was going to, um, you know, be going on a, on a really good direction in life. Uh, I'm going to go live the big city life, right? Because that, you know, it seems to indicate like some degree of success. Uh, I was going to go work for a bigger company, fancy company, you know, designing airplanes. That's kind of cool. Um, and there was going to be a lot of opportunity to move up. Um, and I mean, you're in a bigger area. And so generally that comes with bigger opportunity as well. And so I, I was personally really looking forward to it. Um, Stephanie, my wife, on the other hand, was um, hmm, not as enthused. Um, and so uh, I remember um, really clearly, like there was a lot of energy. I was very excited um, up until the day it was time to go. And that, it was an evening flight we had out to Seattle from Des Moines. And uh, I, it was a very difficult feeling to express um, because anytime there's like big change in your life, like if you think of times and seasons of your life where there's big change, you know, there's a lot of um, uncertainty inside, you know, and you're not quite sure where things are going and where you're headed, okay? Um, and, and so the reality of like what was happening really started to sink in. I clearly remember that evening so clearly. Like it's one of those memories that just really sticks with you, right? And I remember going through TSA and then we got in the plane and we went up to Minneapolis and then that was are connecting out to Seattle. And it, I just, I don't remember the flight up to Minneapolis, but I so clearly remember the flight out to Seattle because now you're going. It's happening. There's no turning back. There's no return flight booked at this point. I remember exactly where we were seated. I remember that it was so cold on that plane. Uh, it was a Boeing 757, so I was like, it's a Boeing, you know, and like I had already drank the Kool-Aid and the saying is, if it's not Boeing, you ain't going. Um, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Drinking the Kool-Aid. And, um, and there was a thunderstorm out our right side. Like, it was farther away, but it made the, the ride bumpy, and you could see lightning shooting out there. And um, they didn't have any blankets. <laughs> and so we were just sitting there freezing, and I'm like, you know, this is going to be great uh, up here. And on the inside, I'm thinking, is this going to be great, you know, and I'm looking over at Stephanie, and because she was sitting to my right, and she, you know, you could see on her face, she's like, okay, I think this is a bad idea, um, you know, and, but in my mind, and I would, I told her this for long, many months into this whole journey, um, I would be like, you know, no, this is a great path that we're on, you know, you know, there's so much opportunity, this is going to be excess, like we're, we are blazing a trail. Um, now, upon reflection, um, I really did uh, have a contradiction in terms going on. Like up here and kind of in here, it felt good. But like down here in your gut, 
I knew something wasn't quite right. And I couldn't put my finger on what wasn't right. Um, and, and it took me a couple months to figure out. Lo and behold, you know, get up. We stayed at the hotel at the airport in the morning. Mm, decision. Uh, got up in the morning. I was like, let's go to Denny's. There's a Denny's right down the road. That'll be great. <laughs> uh, it's a very sketchy Denny's. Um, <laughs> like, you know, drug deals in the, in the parking lot kind of um, stuff. And, um, you know, uh, <laughs> and I know maybe in retrospect, it's like your first day in Seattle, you know, and you pick Denny's. You know what I'm saying? Like, of all the choices, you could have gone and had breakfast. I'm sure in Seattle, you picked the airport Denny's. Uh, but I'm like, yeah, we're trailblazers, you know. We're going to make it happen. You know, we're in the big city opportunity. You get what I'm saying, okay? But in my gut, there was something I wasn't so sure about. And so here's my question. And this is the question that essentially was kind of roiling in my gut. And that is, how do you know the path you're on is the right path? You know, you're going somewhere. You're blazing a trail, whatever it may be. How do you know you're going the right direction. You're doing what you should. You're on purpose. You know, you have a purpose and you have the right purpose and you're doing what you should. Um, how do you know that when you look at your life, the direction you're headed is good and right? And if you're anything like me, like this is a question that isn't just like once in a while. This is kind of something that's like, oh man, am I thinking about this right? Like I'm constantly kind of examining my internal, um, you know, dialogue to ask myself, is this, am I going the right way? Especially because I think deep down, down in here, we also know that the clock's ticking, right? Um, that we, we only have one life to live and we don't want to waste that life. And so we try to do the right thing or at least attempt to do. So how do you know that the path you're on is the right path? And now, the answer is going to be wildly different if we had everybody come up and share, but the, I kind of bucketed everybody in here into two buckets because I think this is a fair assumption. You're either in one of two buckets. The first bucket is you're confident. You're confident the path you're on is the right path. The other bucket is you are unsure. You're not 100% sure that the path you're on is the right one. Now, if you are in the confident bucket, this series could be really affirming for you. And I think it could also be a verification, right? It can make sure that, that you're really thinking about the path you're on by the end of this three weeks, if you stick with us, um, that, hey, where I'm going is the right path. If you're in the other bucket and you're unsure of the direction that you're heading, because maybe you're a bit lost, you know, in, in the season of life, right? It's kind of like that video said, you're, you're lost, but somebody else in your life knows exactly where you should be going, um, you know, or things aren't great, or there's a lot of change or stressful anxiety, and you're asking yourself this question, you're not 100% sure. If you're you're not sure, this series, I hope, will give you um, a really big tool in the bucket to kind of assess where you're going based on especially where you've been, and is that a good path? Uh, it, uh, ideally, a path that when you look back a couple years from now or years from now, you'll look back and say, you know what? I think that was the right path, okay? So how do you know you're on the right path? Or a better question to kind of refine this a little bit more is how do you determine or measure the right path? Okay, so if you ask this question, then your next logical thing is how do I, how do I measure that? How do I ensure what is my value system, what are my priorities to determine that the path I'm on is right? Some of you, the bar is not that high. For some of you, it is just getting out of bed in the morning. If you get out of bed, you're on the right path. Like that's 100% of your battle, right? Um, maybe for some of you, it's just getting there on time. That, that is the right path. Um, or not getting distracted or whatever it is. Um, for, for a number of us, I think it has to do somewhat with appearance. 
um, appearance. And um, I think for me, that was a bit of what the journey to Seattle was. It was, um, it was I wanted to appear successful, right? Wh- whatever season you're in life, um, you know, maybe it's, uh, you know, uh, you want to appear successful in retirement. You want to appear successful now. You want to have a home or a car or a boat or something that, you know, exhibits the, the, uh, um, the, you know, the perspective that you have it all together and that you're successful, um, because if it looks like it's going well, then it must be going well, right? And maybe some of you are a mix of some of these things. Um, the second thing could be like emotional, right? How do you determine or measure the right path? It's if you're happy. That's how a lot of us measure if we're on the right path. If we're happy or our family is happy, Or for some of us, we were raised in a certain way. So like if we work really hard, then we're on the right path. Or if we try really hard or we produce quality work or loyalty, like we're loyal to an organization or a company. Um, Maybe for some of us, we're on the right path if we stay organized and structured or if our life is uneventful or we have goals and we accomplish them. We're not sure if they're, they're the right goals, but you know, we had goals and we accomplished them. And so therefore we're on the good path. How do you measure success? I'm, hopefully one of those kind of struck a chord with you or a combination of those things. And you use them to determine whether or not in your own perspective, you're on the right path. The problem is there's a logical problem with this train of thought is sooner or later when things don't go well or they're not going well and you don't feel great about the path you're on, you start to question it because you're not always gonna be able to control everything. You're not always gonna be able to have a nice balance in your bank account. You're not always gonna be able to uh, have clarity of where you're going. Maybe your job didn't go as planned, and so you were disappointed by that. Does that mean you're on the wrong path, though? Or maybe you're on the right path. Maybe the fact that you're no longer doing that job is the better path, or is it? How do you know? Maybe you're a hard worker, or you're financially savvy, or you're loyal to your company or something, right? Does that mean you're on, for sure, the right path? It's not always that clear, is it? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. How do you know? I want to introduce you to two guys, and then we're going to follow their story for the next three weeks. Um, There's these two guys. One guy is the disciple, because we don't actually know his name. The other guy is Cleopas, um, and they're the two guys we're going to be following today. Because these two guys, I think, based on the context and the story that we read, they're two guys who thought they were on the right path. In fact, I think they thought they were trailblazers. Like, they were the kind of guys, you look at them, and it's like, you know, they're going places. They're going places. And the reason I think they thought they were kind of trailblazers is because they were following this guy named Jesus. And they were on Team Jesus. They weren't the 12 guys on Team Jesus. You might have heard of them, the disciples. They were on like the 72 team. So there was like 12, there was like three, and then there was 12, and then there was 72. And and there were more than that too. But they were on like the C team, okay? Not any less valuable, but they were still a part doing the, the ministry and work of Jesus. And Jesus, the more and more they followed him and the more and more he did ministry, Jesus gained a lot of notoriety, gained a lot of visibility, perceived success and power that came with it. They were on the winning team, right? And who in their right mind would ever question, if you're on a winning team, how, why would you ever question whether or not you were on the right path? Because if you're winning, 
right? If it's a competition and you're winning, then you got to be on the right path, right? Because everybody celebrates that. And there, there, could not, there could not be a possibility of being on a losing team and still being on the right path, right? Or is that how that always works? Is life really that clear? Have you lost something in your past that actually helped you to grow more? Did you lose something and you learned a valuable lesson that would endure for the rest of your life and help you? It's not always that clear, is it? But these two guys thought they were on the right path. They were followers of Jesus. And their thought was if Jesus becomes king and Jesus comes along and overthrows Rome because he was doing some pretty incredible things, right? He would restore Israel to a great nation and he would be king of that nation. And they would be effectively following like Joshua or King David from the Old Testament. And it was going to be great. And that was so great up until that day Jesus got arrested. And then they're like, "Uh uh-oh, that that seems weird. That didn't go as planned. That's not how we would have planned it to go. Now, Jesus, on the other hand, he's like, this is how it's planned to go. But they're like, this is not our plan. We do not think we are veering off the path. We were on the right path. Things were going really well. And now it's veering. Are we on the right path? And then he died on a cross. And they were probably there. And they probably saw that Jesus died on a cross on Good Friday. And then that was a real deal breaker. That was not a deal breaker for really all of the disciples. Because Jesus claimed to be God, right? Jesus claimed to be God's word made flesh dwelling among us. He was the way, the truth, and the life. And if you're the way, the truth, and the life, and then a Roman cross can kill you, that's not a great way. That's not a great life. And so it kind of undermined everything Jesus had taught. And so that was Friday, and then he's dead, and by Sunday, after Passover, they're going to leave because in their minds, it's all over. And so they left Jerusalem and they started walking. And that's where we pick up the story from Luke, the story we're going to look at for in the next couple weeks. Now that same day, two of them, those are the two, going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. We don't actually know where Emmaus is. I can't find it on a map. There's guesstimates of where Emmaus was, but Uh, city names changed often. That's not a normal thing for us, but in those days, names would change. Um, And so it's really difficult to know exactly historically, archaeologically where it was. About seven miles from Jerusalem. So they, they got a little bit of a walk. If you're walking seven miles, they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. In other words, everything that had just occurred that Jesus had died. I mean, they had been following him and now he's dead. They were processing the path they had been on for months, maybe years, and the fact that their path was obviously wrong, right? And their faces, as we'll read in just a second, their faces were downcast, Luke said. Because why? Because everything that they had judged as success, the power and the notoriety and the visibility and all that stuff, was gone. All the things that we traditionally measure as the right path was gone. And to me, this was their moment, like I had, of everything up here says something, but then there's this gut sense that maybe I'm missing something. Maybe I'm missing something. So here's the thing that I realized, just to transition back to the story for a second, that I realized I was missing. 
And it took me a few months to figure it out, but I did. And I think Stephanie helped, and I should have asked her how this all came about just so I had the accurate story because she would remember far better than I would. Um, She's my little driver that helps me get to my destination, okay? Um, And I'm very grateful for that. Um, And um, I came to the conclusion of of what what that pit in my stomach, the thing that I had been missing this whole time. And, And that was when we were leaving, I was feeling the fact that we were moving away from everyone we knew, all of our people, all of the relationships that we had built for over two decades. And more importantly, the fact that I had taken it for granted. And until I lived among millions of people, none of whom I knew, did I realize I was actually alone. And I had realized I had given up a lot, which I had taken so much for granted. Because at that point, thousands of miles away from here, I didn't have anybody to call when things get tough. I didn't have anybody to speak truth into my life or into the path that I was on and encourage me in the walk that I was walking. I realized I had decades ahead of me to build those relationships back because I had left those other relationships. And what was really funny is when I needed help or when I needed guidance or when I eventually got my call to ministry and I was trying to figure it out, do you know who I called? I called people here. Isn't that funny? I called people here. Actually, some of those people are in this room right now who I called to say, hey, (laughs) crazy thing. I was agnostic and now I'm a follower of Jesus. Jesus and I'm supposed to be a pastor. Walk me through this. I called people here. And I had taken that for granted. When those two disciples, as you'll read in the story, some of you may know because you grew up in church, you know this story. When the two disciples found out the great news that Jesus wasn't in fact dead, who did they go running to? Where did they go running to? Did they keep going to Emmaus? No. They turned a 180 in the road and went back where they came. And they went to go tell the people in Jerusalem. They went to go tell the disciples. They went to go tell the people that had meaning in their lives. I mean, think about this. Think about the consequential moments in your life. One or two of the most consequential moments in your life. Were you alone? No, you weren't alone. In fact, as I thought through my life, there really wasn't ever a time that I was truly alone. Because that's not how God created us. Because God said from the very beginning, the first few pages of his entire story, his interaction with humanity is documented in what we call the Bible. It's really God's story and humanity's story, our relationship. From the very beginning, he said, it is not good for man to be alone. Everything else is good. Creation's good. Everything's good. It is not good for man to be alone. Because rarely, and this is what I realized, rarely do we measure the path we're on by the people walking with us. Do you ever notice that? Rarely do we measure the success or the significance or the righteousness or the goodness of the path we're on by the people walking with us. That's not how we work in this world. We don't look at it that way, but I think it should be. Because every, almost every win in our life, almost every bright spot in our life involved someone. We weren't alone. And trailblazers get this. 
They prioritize who they're on the path with. And there are some incredible entrepreneurs, incredible figures in American culture today, right? But they are not alone. They may have great ideas, but they are far from alone in making those ideas come to fruition. Here's what I think those guys were missing. And then when it really mattered, they turned around and walked the other direction. Is they were missing who was or was not with them. Here's a little phrase for you to remember. Show me your people and I will show you your path. Show me your people, the people you have surrounded yourself by, and I'll show you your path. Because your best decisions and also some of your worst were tied to someone or someones. Show me the people you've left behind and I will show you what you have possibly missed. Now, some of those relationships need to be left behind. I totally understand that. There are some unhealthy or toxic relationships need to be left behind, but I can show you the possibility of what you've missed. I had this um, influential kind of entrepreneur, new, new up and coming leader in the, in the state of Iowa, and he was talking to me and um, he, said, um, he said this phrase and it really stuck with me. He said, you know, Taylor, for example, if you wanna become a millionaire, if you surround yourself by five millionaires and you're the sixth, guess who's next in line to become a millionaire? What? Me, got it, right? Because what was his point? If you put yourself in those situations with the people around you, they will influence where you're going. It's how you teach your kids, right? People inform the direction and quality of your life. I would say more than anything, almost anything else in the world. And it's not good for man to be alone. And it's not good for that iron to not be able to sharpen iron, as Proverbs says. The disciples were on a trajectory that was walking away from their people, but thank goodness, something changed the trajectory of their life. They started having a conversation. I'll read it to you, but I won't put it on the screen. Some of you know it, but I'll read it out loud. And they were talking to each other about all the things that had taken place regarding Jesus. And while they were walking, and disguising himself, Jesus himself approached them and began traveling with them. Now, did they ignore Jesus? No. We like to do that though, right? Somebody wants to talk to us and we're like not in the mood and we're like, I'm not going to ignore. Okay. Jesus though, interacted with them and they started talking back. And Jesus said to them, hey, what are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you're walking? And they came to a stop looking sad. And one of them, named Cleopas, answered and said to Jesus, are you possibly the only one living near Jerusalem who does not know about the things that just happened in these days? And Jesus is like, oh, I know, I was there. And he said to them, Jesus said back, what sort of things happened? And they said to him, those about Jesus of Nazareth, who proved to be a prophet, mighty in deed and word in the sight of God and all the people, and now the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that he was going to redeem Israel. We were hoping. Indeed, besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened, and Jesus is nowhere to be found. I added that last part. But also, some women among us left us bewildered when they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came saying um, that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And soon some of those who were with us, other disciples, went to the tomb. We'd learned from the other, it's like John and Peter. And found out exactly as the woman had said, but him they did not see. And then he said to them, 
You foolish men and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Was this not necessary for Christ to be, uh, suffer these things and to him into his, and to bring him into his glory? Then begin with Moses and all the prophets. He explained to them these things written in himself and the scriptures. So essentially he gave them a little Bible lesson. That's the point there. Um, and they approached the village where they were going. They approached Emmaus. And he gave the impression that he was going on after them. And the disciples chose to do something that I think we so often devalue. We mess or we take it for granted. This is what they did. As they approached the village, they were going. Jesus continued on as if he was going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. Come with us. They invited him in. For it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. He went in to stay with them. And he went in. And what happened next? And it came that he reclined at the table with them. And he took bread and blessed it. And he broke it, giving it to them, which we celebrate in communion. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sights. They said to one another, were our, not, were our hearts not burning within us as he was speaking to us as the, on the road while he was explaining the scriptures to us? And they got up that very hour in the middle of the night, which is not a wise thing to do, it was a very dangerous thing to do, and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and those who were with them, saying, the Lord is really risen and he has appeared to Simon, as he appeared to Simon. They began to relate their experiences on the road and how he recognized him by breaking, or how they recognized him by breaking bread. They met Jesus and their life changed. And that's what Jesus will do. And we're going to talk about that over the next couple of weeks. That's what Jesus will do. Like Jesus is so good at taking the path we're on and giving us a new place to start. And for some of us, we didn't really check with Jesus before we started on that path. But Jesus is really good, and God's really good at this, is coming into our lives, even when we're maybe not heading the right direction, and trying to knock on our conscience, knock on our hearts, on our guts, and say, hey, hey, me, hey, are you sure this is the right thing? Are you following you, or are you following me, for those of us who follow Jesus? Are you following you, or are you following me? And if you want, you can invite me into your life to guide you. But we don't like that. And we don't like to think that we are dependent on others or we need others' help. Because then to do that means we have to surrender the fact that, yes, we are all individually unique. We are all individually valuable. But the people around you may be sometimes more a testament to the progress God has designed than anything else. That the people you have invited in, the people that help you and the people that serve you and the people that you serve in return may be more a testament to the path you're on and the progress you've made in your life than anything else. That at the end of the day, you're not going to be worried about the bank account. At the end of the day, you're not going to be worried about the home you live in. You're going to be worried about the relationships that you're leaving behind the relationships that you trust and you love and that care about you, that have changed you and have loved you. Who, who have you or are you inviting into your life right now? This is where we're going to end today. We'll pick it up back next week. 
But who have you or are you inviting into your life right now? Because this matters more than just about anything. Show me your people and I will show you your path. People moving farther and farther away from God, for example, less God, less Jesus, will oftentimes tell me, you know, I need to get away from the church. I need to get away from people because then I can get closer to God. And I'm like, okay, so you're going to get closer to God without being a part of God's earthly body, which is the church. How is that going to work? It's going to be quieter and it's going to be easier. It's going to require you to love a lot less because you won't be around people and you'll ha- you won't have to love them. But are you really on the right path in that direction? Would Jesus say, hey, less of my body will be better for you. Less of my church, my assembly of people will be better for you. Some of us are trying to walk without Jesus. And sometimes we have a hard time seeing him just as those two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And hopefully, hopefully when he does break the bread right in front of us, when he does make his presence known, we will have the eyes and the hearts and the ears to see and hear. Hopefully, we will put our hearts in the mindset of those around us are one of the most valuable things God has given us on this earth. People will often tell me, they'll say like, well, if you show me Jesus and like flesh and blood and I can see him, then I'll believe in him. That's what I need to believe. And I said, that's great. And he did, and it's supposed to be the church. It's his people. You should see through his people, him. Just as you should see the father through the son. That's how he kind of set it up. And it, in, 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 his, in the ideal, it works that way. And I'm not advocating that you just use people. You're not just trying to find the right people and put them around you to just take advantage of them. Because they're going to pour into you, and you get to pour back into them. Jesus was very much about the quality of the people around him. And he wanted everybody to be around him. That's why Jesus liked the people that nobody else liked. And they liked him back. Because he cared about him and he loved him and they loved him back. Who are you walking with? Is Jesus a part of that? What would that mean if he was? What would that change in your life if he was? And for some of you, and if you're still struggling with faith, then you need to ask yourself, who's in my life? Who am I walking with or who am I leaving behind? We'll talk more about that next week or the week after, actually. Because that matters too. Don't take it for granted if you can help it. Because it is a gift from God, just as Adam received a gift in Eve. Adam stands for, translates literally into humanity. And Eve translates into life. God gave life to humanity to be its helper. Don't devalue that. Don't take that for granted. It is a beautiful, painful, challenging thing, but powerful all the less. If you would, bow your heads. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, help us to see like those two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Help us to see the people in our lives, those that we have invited in, those that are around us, 
for who they are, for how you maybe have worked through them and help us to see you for who you are. Not how maybe we have been told or assumed that you are, but for who you are. A representative of our heavenly father who came to die for us because he loved us so that we can trust you. Help us to see the relationships that we have built that maybe are even behind us or maybe yet in front of us that are valuable. Help us to see them for what they are and help us to be grateful for them, to be thankful for them. Because we need to and help us to know that the people around us can guide us more than just about anything in life. And that is a blessing. And it is hard and it is difficult, but that's where we have love. That's why we have your love, your truth, your grace to be able to build those relationships and move forward. Thank you, Lord, for this church community. Though it may meet in different locations, online, across the United States, that we are all here because, ultimately because of you. We may not be there trusting you yet, but we are all here because of you to know your love and to experience your love and to be transformed by that love. Thank you that you were so wise to not let us go through this life alone, that you said, no matter what, for the next thousands and thousands of years, I will build a church and it will be on the faith in me. And it will be a relationship that people have with each other to go through life because we need that. We were born to have that. It helps sharpen iron and it helps us to navigate the challenges. Lord, help us to be wise to see as you see. In your name I pray, amen.